The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Apparently, I'm not good at making my cue, so sorry about that. Um, Hey, welcome to the Grove today. Uh, Man, we've had a great week, and yeah, we're celebrating iHeart five-day outreach that we do each summer. This is the eighth year that we've done it, and uh, it's pretty awesome to see what can get accomplished. I want to say thank you. If you were a part of um, even a half a day, one day, two days, three, four, all five days, and and especially there's so many that, you know, you're a part of some of the setup and the work that happens even months ago. Um, but it takes an army, and it, it really went really uh, it went it went really well. How do I say that? Did I say that right? It really went really well, really. It really did. So I don't know. We're all tired. You you, you know you've had a great week. This is a mission trip. You know you've had a great mission trip when you feel exhausted at the end. So apparently it was really excellent for a lot of us. So if I don't make any sense today, that's why. And some of you are like, what are your other excuses for the other weeks? Knock it off. Okay. So. Um, if you've ever seen the show The Office, um, there's characters on there that, that um, you know, always have different kind of vibes. There, there's Jim and Pam on The Office, and they're kind of the, I guess, quasi-normal couple, you would say, I guess, on that show. And then you have, like, your Creed, who nobody knows what he really does, and he kind of works in the back, whatever. Um, and there's, uh, there's, of course, Dwight, who's a character. He's the assistant to the regional manager, but he thinks he's assistant regional manager, um, but uh, what I love is, of course, Michael Scott is the, the manager of the branch, and he's just kind of nuts, and, and crazy things happen, but the person he disdains the most in the whole office is a guy named Toby. Anybody familiar with this? Every time they show a scene with them together, it is so uncomfortable that you just cringe, like the way that he treats him, because he just doesn't like him at all, and the reason is because Michael Scott's always trying to get away with something he shouldn't be getting away with, and so he hates Toby, but at one point, he literally says to Toby, why are you the way that you are like it's and again you just cringe like that couldn't be said worse right but um it's a weird segue but I've had people ask me about the Grove Church and they don't put it in a way that's disdainful although sometimes you wonder um but but people that will say why 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 are you guys the way that you are why do you guys do what you do and I want to talk about this today because I feel like it's super important and and I want to make sure that for all of us it's this journey where we can wrap our heads around sort of the why behind the what. There, there's a lot of what as far as you see iHeart or, or different outreaches we do or the way that we do ministry. And um, when people ask us about that, it, it really comes down to, and, and maybe this sounds like, oh, that's the perfect answer and you probably should say it from the stage, but we really mean it. We really want to have the heart of our Heavenly Father. It really is a big deal. Even as we sing certain songs or, 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 you know, lyrics as we worship together about who God is and, and his love for us and our love that, that he wants us to, to give back to him, we want to have that heart. And I'm a, I'm a huge believer, and I want you to follow this today because it is a big deal. Um, I really believe strongly that as, as we grow in maturity, there's individuals at the Grove that you've been here for decades, and there's people in this room that literally, there's one uh, lady I know of in particular, 54 years she's been part of the Grove, and, and um, a lot of history. But for many of us, there's a weird thing that can happen as we follow Christ. And and what happens is as time goes on and we're followers of Christ, we become more about like circle the wagons, play church club. It becomes very ingrown. And and we want to fight against that because I'm a believer that the more that you and I grow in our faith, the more that our faith develops and the more that maturity develops, our hearts grow bigger for unchurched people. 
And, and that's a huge deal that I want to make sure that we understand because, you know, when you and I take to reading the Bible, which we talk all the time about the need for, you know, Bible reading and, and creating a plan where, where we can try to daily carve some time out to read Scripture and we put out a plan every year to do that. But when you read the Bible, you read, especially when you think about the, the, the Gospels of the New Testament, the Gospel means the good news, And it's very much about the good news of what God has done through the work of Christ on the cross that mankind can be forgiven. That there is no other place that we find forgiveness. There is no other place that we get to to receive that kind of grace except for what God did through the work of Christ on the cross. And that is good news. Can I hear an amen? And so when we talk about reading our Bibles, you, you stumble upon that. Jesus said in Matthew 5, and one of our leaders this week did a devotion on this, in Matthew 5, Jesus said that we're supposed to be light. And he goes on to talk about the reason that he calls us light is because a city on a hill is, a not, is not supposed to be hidden. He goes on to talk about that people may see the glory of God. Peter who understood those words, went on to write later on in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 2, he talks about how that, that we would live such good lives among those that aren't connected to Jesus that they may eventually glorify God. And so we're called to live in such a way that people see Jesus through us. So if you're reading scripture, you stumble upon that. Paul, over and over and over, talks about that we are sent out. In fact, in Romans 10... Verses 9 through 10, he says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you'll be saved. And we love those verses, but if you continue on, he begins to talk about, but how can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone speaking it to them? And how can someone speak unless they are sent? And I bring it up because over and over and over, there's a common theme in Scripture. And it has everything to do with as we grow in maturity, our hearts ought to grow for people that are not church people. Even the book of Acts. It records multiple different times, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. At certain points, it even includes numbers. Upon There was thousands at a certain point that they record, you know, come to faith in Christ. Paul said To Timothy, as he's challenging the next generation of church leadership, he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out. And that is not just for leadership, that's a great reminder for all of us. We ought to be ready to give reasons for the hope that we carry every day, amen? So I want to challenge us with this tension. I love that as you get to the end of scripture, it says in Revelation, it gives this window of kind of the end of everything. And at one point, is as John the disciple is having this dream or this revelation of what's going to happen, he says, and I saw before me a great multitude in white robes from every tribe and nation and tongue under all, uh, under all of heaven. And, and he says, well, who are these? And, and the question for you and I is, how did they get there? And the, the reason they got there is because it's people who heard the message of Jesus Christ and responded to that message. Over and over, everything points to it. Jesus said his famous last words before he ascends into heaven. He's paid the price on the cross. He's been buried in the tomb. He rose from the dead, even as he sang a little bit ago, the victory. But what happened after that? He appeared to the disciples. What did he say to them? Well, famous last words would be this. Hey, I'm done. I'm out. I'm heading. I'm gone. 
I'm coming back someday, and we're still waiting. But you know what he said in the meantime? Go make disciples. You know who he was talking to? Point to yourself. He's talking to us. It's up to us to help people see Jesus. So when you read the Bible, it all points to we are commissioned to help people see Jesus. We even call it the Great Commission. We gave it that title, the Great Commission. Do you know what a commission is? It's not just money you make on a sale. The Great Commission, biblically, is an assignment. You and I have been given an assignment. And the assignment is to help people see Jesus, to hear the message of the gospel, to be the salt and light that he's called us to be. I had somebody in the lobby earlier asking me, why does Jesus say salt? Why does he say we're supposed to be salt? That's a weird word. You know, you call somebody a salty dog, that's not necessarily a compliment. His language is salty, that's not what Jesus meant. Don't be that kind of salty. What he's talking about is when you add salt to something, it enhances flavor. When you add salt to something, it preserves it. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, when you and I show up on the scene at the family reunion, when you, show up, when you and I show up on the scene at a block party in our neighborhood, when you and I show up on the scene at our workplace, things ought to get better. There ought to be a sense of, wow, I like them. What is it about them? They have something I need or want. What is that? We're called to live that way. And as you read scripture, it all points to love God, love people. So prayer, even in prayer, as you and I learn what it means to pray, what it means to talk to God about the life we live and the things we care about and the burdens we carry and the wonder about what to do. Even as we pray, I believe the Holy Spirit grows our hearts for people that don't know him yet. He does something in us as we, as we pray, God, we're praying about our own selves. And then we're going to pray about other things we know about. And then we're going to pray about our family, pray about things in our neighborhood or people we care about, our burdens they're carrying. And all of a sudden, we care more than we used to about whatever it is they're going through. God grows our hearts in prayer for lost people. Theology, to take our study of Scripture a little bit deeper and, and carve out a belief system, a spiritual belief system. Theology even tells us that, that we look at scripture and go, Jesus is coming back and we don't know when, but he's coming back. And if he's coming back, who is he coming for? A church. A church is what? People that have surrendered their lives to faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you become part of the church. Even Israel in the Old Testament was a witness to God, to the nations, that they would see through somebody who was chosen and the, the grace extended and the power that's displayed that there is a God in heaven that is there and, and, and does care. And instead of understanding that they were chosen and, and blessed to sort of have their nose in the air, that's not the idea. They were chosen to display, to display God's nature and character to a world that didn't get it. Isaiah gives us a stark example, the most fitting example in all of the Old Testament of this idea that Israel definitely, yeah, was chosen, but not chosen to be better than everyone else, but chosen to carry the grace and work of God in their own lives that the world might see. What I love is that, that, that the psalmist reminds us. As you read through the psalms, we've said before, creation points to the wonder of God. You, you look at the heavens and it declares the glory of God. You look at the mountains and, and you and I climb up Pilchuck and, and look out at all the vistas and the mountains and valleys and go, wow, God, you're amazing. Go out towards Mount Rainier and there's Sunrise Ridge and paradise and incredible areas you can drive out to and have picnics and hikes and it's incredible and glorious. The glaciers that are staring right at you. Baker, the same thing. 
Go out to the, to the west and, and, and head towards Westport, ocean shores, and watch the waves crash upon the beaches and the cliffs and, and the majesty and wonder of God and go, wow, the psalmist says, this God is incredible. But Paul then takes it a step further when he writes a letter to the church at Rome. What it is is systematic theology. Theology that builds one portion of belief on another. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly underseen, uh, are seen and clearly understood so that men are without excuse. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Paul is saying, the psalmist, he's coming right alongside me, the psalmist says that God is seen in all of creation. But then as you get to chapter 2 and chapter 3 and chapter 4, he begins to point to that that's, that's general revelation that, begins to, that needs to begin to get specific about. It's not just this God out there. It's this God that exists right alongside of us and this God who cares about every one of us and this God who's made a way that you and I could find grace and forgiveness and life through the work of Christ on the cross. That's Romans 2, 3, and 4 in its entirety. It's a reminder of all that God has done. It all points to the same thing. Love God with all you have and love people around you because they need it too. It's fun to receive grace. It's fun to be forgiven. It's amazing to realize all that God has done through Christ. But it's not up to you and I to hold on to it and appreciate it. It's up to you and I to give out to others. That's what we're called to do. We, we, we attend a, a service where somebody's baptized or, or celebrate the, the transformation that happens in, in the heart of an individual and, and we're reminded of God's goodness. People will sometimes say they love that, that we're about unchurched people finding Christ. But they'll say, but what about those of us that now have Christ? What about those of us now that are part of the church? What, what about for us? I actually had somebody tell me this way once, well, that, 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 you know, saving souls is good and all, but what about us? And my response is simply this. It's our role to, yes, help people see Jesus. But then once they understand who he is and they've crossed the line of faith, it's up to us to help them understand, hey, now it's about them giving the message out to other people. And that's the cycle that's meant to happen and has been happening for 2,000 years of church history. Maturity is not just about what you can memorize and how many songs you know from a hymn book. Maturity is not about how many times you've attended a gathering or, or how many years ago you crossed the line of faith. Maturity is very much about loving God and the progression of loving God is then loving people with all your heart. That's it. That's how it works. And if it somehow becomes about us, we begin to miss the point and that's when church becomes ineffective and ingrown. And it's a party for ourselves, which is not good. I love how, as you look at Jesus, they're complaining at one point about him hanging out with a shady bunch. And when they come to confront Jesus, they literally say this way, why are you hanging out with such scum? Isn't that a great compliment? And Jesus says, you guys, you're missing the point. He says, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And he says, I haven't come to call those who think everything's good. I've come to, to, to reach out to those who are sinners and understand and, and realize they need a savior.
And that's that same assignment that you and I have been given. It just isn't about us. It's about helping the world see that they need Jesus. That God's love has been poured out so much so through the cross that we want people to find that grace and forgiveness there. See, the one thing we should want to do on earth that we'll never do in eternity is save souls. James wrote it. He's the half-brother of Jesus. James wrote, whoever, in chapter 5, verse 20 of, of that letter, that book, he says, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways saves them from death and covers over a multitude of sins. That's what we're assigned to do. And we all have our part to play. That's why you look at this whole picture and you hear about, like I said, the baptisms and you the stories and you and I, we cry over the stories of life changes. People right here, we put out a tank and they get baptized and you hear about what God has done and the grace they've received. Why wouldn't we cry when those moments happen? Because it's meaningful. It's life change happening right before our eyes. Why, why wouldn't we go, you know, I'm going to carve out of some of the resources that I get and I want to give towards kingdom stuff. Why wouldn't we do that? Sure, at the end of every service, hey, we're going to collect the giving, and some people go, here we go again. Why wouldn't we be a part of that? It's a joy to be a part of that. I want to take a pause here. and There's a video I want you to see, and it's just some of the stories of individuals who said yes to, to this week and, and the difference that it's making in their lives. So check this out. I got started in this a couple of years ago. I've been going to the Grove Church for about three years, and... Um, this is my second year of doing iHeart, and I just kind of, they asked me if I wanted to be a leader, and I said, sure, why not? I'm always up for a challenge. I've always been a believer, but I feel like recently I just became a follower, and um, to me, the difference with that is really getting outside of those four walls of the church and reaching people and uh, talking about Jesus and doing uh, work that actually touches people instead of just sitting in a Sunday service, and that's all. So for me, I feel really lucky to be able to do this. And it's just been an incredible experience for me. I am just filled with so much love and passion that I have experienced here. The connections that I've made with the people of our community in the church, outside of the church, and within these four walls that we're going out and breaking down and going through Snohomish County. I have just received so much love. We were doing the carnival and I was standing there and just watching some of the things that were going on and all of a sudden I felt this little hand on my leg and there was Liddy just giving me a hug. And it's just those little things like that that make it all just so exciting and so worthwhile to be doing and to see them growing as they learn the messages of that God is good all the time. It just. I just, you can't hardly explain exactly how great it makes you feel. One of my oldest is here and um, he's working with us, so that's really exciting for me. It's just his first year of iHeart. And, um, you know, I just, after I had children, I really thought about what I wanted to do with my life and what kind of example I wanted to, to set for my children. And so I hope they, they follow my footsteps and help as many people and reach as many people through Jesus as they can. I've been here this whole week uh, with two of my boys uh, helping out. And we've just been having a great time helping kids have a good time. Uh, it's just been great to celebrate the community, give back. I know a lot of these kids maybe don't have a lot to do during the summer. And so to give them the opportunity to come and play these great games, uh, hear about Jesus, and just have other people love on them, 
it's meant a lot to me to see my boys do something for others instead of just being selfish for the summer and worrying about what they're going to do. My biggest takeaway is the amazing people that we go to church with. Uh, I have made so many connections that I will forever cherish and I am just so blessed that they are a part of my family now. I think everybody has different spiritual gifts and different callings that they can do. Not everybody's gifts are the same and so I think I think iHeart is really great for people who um, just want to help and maybe they don't know exactly what they want to do. They're really good at um, taking your strengths and putting you in a place that you're really needed. And at the end of the day, for me, and I think for a lot of people, you just going outside of your comfort zone actually feels really good. Aside from my own experience here within iHeart My Kids, the experience that they have received at iHeart Nano is beyond phenomenal. The teachers have gone above and beyond to provide love and God's grace to them and I love picking them up each day and hearing about the amazing day that they had and that will forever bring me back every year to be here with our community and our church to give back through iHeart. And it's just it's so good to work with all these fine people that you develop relationships it's not about me, it's not about all the people, but it's about Jesus and what he can do for your life and what he's doing in these lives, and especially the little children. Jesus loved the little children, and that is what it's all about. If we can help these little children to grow up and know Christ and to follow him all their lives and avoid some of the pitfalls in life, it's worth every second that we can give to them. I would just encourage anyone that, that is on the fence about helping out, even with kids, this wasn't my first choice this week. I thought I would do uh, construction, labor, uh, but this has definitely been a blessing to just see the smiles on kids' faces and so glad I got to do it. That was an amazing video. So many amazing stories from an incredible week that we had here um, at iHeart. So um, my name is Diane, and I am um, on staff here at The Grove. Um, I'm the preschool director, and I have the privilege to speak to you for a few minutes this morning about some personal experience from iHeart and just, um, I guess, really what's on my heart. Nick asked me to share a couple things, and so this is what I have for you today. So when I was thinking through um, kind of what a common thread throughout everybody who served at iHeart last week. There were two things that really stuck out to me in this kind of vein of thinking through what the heart of a servant is. And the first thing was is that the heart of a servant is someone who serves without any intention at all of getting anything in return. And I think of all the people last week, the how many 400 plus, what our numbers were, um, that served so faithfully. Some served all five days. Some came for one day, whatever it was. But just to see that play out, just to serve in that um, vein of just not expecting to get anything back, but just to give is the heart of a servant. The second thing that really stood out to me that um, was definitely thread throughout all areas of my heart is that um, I believe strongly that when we know that our identity is in Christ, it's then that we can truly serve him and his people with humility and love. And I think when you look at the body of believers, the body of people who came out last week to serve, to see those 
of so many who are grounded in their knowledge of who they are in the Lord, it enables us when that happens, when we take those steps of faith, when we make him a priority in our lives, when we set him as the cornerstone of our life, we change. And it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with who he is inside of us. And when that happens, we are overflow, we just overflow, right, with this sense of gratitude and this heart to go out and serve as everyone did last week. It is just an overflow. It's this outward expression of this inward gratitude we feel for the magnitude, the understanding we have of what God did for us. And so to see this play out through the actions of people all week last week, it was so humbling, so incredibly humbling. And this morning, as I was kind of thinking through these things, and I was like, oh, Lord, you know, what? what is the example? And this is so funny at 4.30 this morning. He was like, I'm your example. And I thought, well, of course you are. And he reminded me of the the picture of the Last Supper. So I want to give you a little background if you're not real familiar with it. But um, Jesus is there with his disciples, right? He's having his last meal. And it's in the last hours, and he realizes that he's going to be leaving this world. So he gets up from the table, and he takes off his outer clothing, he goes over and he grabs a basin. He fills it with water. And then he invites his disciples to come sit and he washes their feet. And I was thinking through that this morning. I got up and I reread the scriptures and I thought, what a beautiful picture of servanthood, right? Our Lord, our King, the King of kings, our Savior, our Redeemer of this world. And he is giving us this example of washing the feet of those that he loves. And I find it interesting because we talk about here this point that to be a servant is one who doesn't expect anything in return. Here God, he could have said, okay, I've shown you what to do. Now please wash my feet. He had the right, right? But he didn't. He told them, he said, do this to each other. Do this example of humility and love to one another. And that is the example that is what he left us with. So I think about this week of iHeart. And, you know, it'll be back, Lord willing, again next year. We've got this whole year. But I think through that and think, you know, it isn't just about next year. It's not about one event. But it's about who we are in Christ in the day-to-day. It's embracing his humility, his love, and his willingness to serve those that he puts in our lives that could be at work. It could be here at the church. It can be loving babies in the nursery, in the grocery store, in our schools, wherever he has you. Walking out our faith, knowing who we are in Christ, allows us to love with humility and grace. So praise God for that. So we're going to see a recap video right now, and I just hope you all enjoy it. Thank you. Man, I love watching videos like that because they're so inspiring and they make it seem like the week just went by so fast because I promise you, it did not feel like it went by that fast, but it went by fast. 
Well, hey guys, I'm so excited that you guys are here. I'm very, very, very pumped to be able to share with you guys. My name is Eli. I am actually the interim youth director here for the time being. I'm just excited to explain to you guys a little more about why we do iHeart and what iHeart really means to us. So I'm super excited. Are you guys excited? I hung out with kids all week, so I'm like one of those, like the hype, like, yeah, are you guys excited? Perfect. So if you hear that from me, that's why I promise. So a phrase that you hear a lot, that you see a lot, that you think about a lot during iHeart is become love. Become love. We even have it branded up here as become love. We have it on our t-shirts. We have it on our hats. We have it on stickers. We have it on so many things. And it really makes you think about it. What does it mean to become love? I believe that become love is a, is, serves as a reminder to us that the church is beyond four walls and a stage. That the church isn't just a building. It reminds us that the church isn't one day a week, four times a month. It's so much more than that. Become love to me serves as a reminder that the church is love and the church is people. In John 15 verse 12, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Become love serves as a reminder to one of Jesus' greatest commandments. And that is that we as Christ's followers must love people so unconditionally because he first loved us unconditionally. It's a reminder that we must offer people so much grace, so much acceptance, so much forgiveness, even when we feel like they don't deserve it because you know what? We don't deserve it and God did it for us first. It serves as a reminder that he found us with all of our mistakes, all of our regrets, all of our broken hearts, anything. It serves as a reminder that he found us and he still loved us. So we must go out and do that for other people. He's challenging us to go beyond the walls of this church, to go beyond the walls of our comfortability and to love and serve our community to go and love and serve Lake Stevens, to go and love and, lo- and serve Everett, Snohomish, Lake Stevens, like I already said Lake Stevens again, Everett, places. That's how passionate, I get really excited and I get into it. So what Jesus is saying is I love you so much, I laid down my life for you. Now you go and do the same. But what does that mean for us in our context? For us, It looks like giving up five days in the middle of a hot summer of July, of giving up vacation time, time with our family, time to go out and about, time to hang out. It's giving up tools for a week. It's where we sacrifice our time to become something greater than ourselves. iHeart is far more than painting a wall throwing a block party for kids just like we did. It's a chance for us as Christ followers to be ambassadors of God's love. It's our chance to be an example to people who have never remotely close stepped to a church. It's for a chance for people who've never experienced church to experience church because you know what? The church is not a building. The church is a people. It is a chance where we can be ambassadors of God's love to people who feel like they don't deserve it, like they didn't earn it, like they don't have a chance. And that is what become love is all about. It is to become God's love for people because 
We know more than anyone that we didn't deserve it. We don't earn it. It's a chance for people to experience God's love even when they feel like they don't deserve it. See, we could be the closest thing to church someone ever experiences. And all of our different sites that we go to, the connections we make, the people we talk to. See, people, when we wear our Become Love shirts, people ask all the time, why are you so happy moving gravel? Why are you so happy wheelbarrowing things back and forth? Why are you so happy hanging out with 180 plus kids? Why are you smiling right now? This is the fourth day of iHeart. What's going on? How are you so excited? And it's a simple reminder that in the midst of all of those things, God's love is so amazing and it's so real and it becomes contagious. See, there's something so special that happens when we serve. There's something so special that happens when we pick up our cross and we go out to our communities and love them. We start to develop this love and joy for other people that, like I said, is so contagious, people start to wonder and question and ask, how is this even possible? We start to see walls torn down. We start to see friendships being made. We start to see chains broken. We see new life. See, in Mark 8.35, it says this, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And I believe that's exactly what iHeart displays. iHeart is the epitome of what we believe in a church, that, the, that Jesus Christ commissioned the church to be an instrument to provide a hope to the world. Just like Pastor Nick mentioned earlier, our goal is to be a light to the world, not to be a light inside of our own church. And become love is our way of doing that, of becoming ambassadors of God's love. Our goal is not to shine the light here. Our goal is to shine his light and his love to his people that still haven't experienced him yet. That feel like they can't come to a church service because if only you knew what I did Saturday night. If only you knew what I did this past week. And that's where we come in. See, there's something so unique that happens during the week of iHeart when our bodies get super tired after day four, day five, when our patience runs really thin with certain people and we just really feel like, oh, why did you volunteer all five days, right? There's this thing that happens because we feel in the midst of those moments, we feel more alive than we ever have in our lives. And the simple reason for that is because we become more than ourselves. We become God's love. We, we are literally carrying vessels of the Holy Spirit to people that feel like they don't deserve the Holy Spirit. And that's why I get so passionate and so excited, and it sounds like a broken record, but it's because we get to be those people. You and I, who feel like we don't deserve God's love in the first place, we feel like we shouldn't be here, get to share that with other people. Why? Because Jesus Christ died on the, sin for, on the cross for you and, the I sin, you and my sins. Words. The most amazing thing is when you lay down your life for something else, something greater than yourself. And the, most, the best news about that is it doesn't just have to end in one week. It doesn't just have to be this week of I heart. It's an everyday thing, not just this week. It's in our workplaces, it's in our schools, it's wherever you are. 
that God's calling you to be a light to that place, to become love. You don't need a fancy t-shirt or a hat or anything to become love because God's already calling you to become an ambassador of his love. And that is the most amazing news. This past week, we got to be ambassadors of God's love in the most amazing way possible. And so we have a video that we want you guys to check out that gives you a glimpse into what iHeart really looks like. It's always fun to see the before and after and, and all the work that gets done, but I want to bring the challenge right to where we're at because I've said so far that when you look at maturity and we look at who we are as a church, I want to encourage you that it's not just about attending. In fact, we don't even call this room a sanctuary intentionally. I know it seems ridiculous to walk in, it says auditorium, but it's because we want people to understand that, that yeah, God's presence is here and that's great, but God's presence goes with us. Simply because that there's this whole idea that we got to be dangerous about. We're not coming to attend church. There's a song on the radio right now, and I listen to 104.5, 105.3, and 106.5 really almost all the time now. And it's, it's worship music or, or truth-filled music. And one of the songs is a song that literally it says, I want to go to church. And it rubs me the wrong way specifically because we've got to be careful to understand that we're not coming to church. We're not attending church. That while this building, we could say that's church, it's really not. The church is you and me. The church is a living organism made up of the people here that are called to go out and make a difference in the world that we live in. And I don't want to play church. I don't want to attend church. I believe that we're the kind of people that are called to transform the communities that we exist in. And when we say become love, it's not just, oh, that looks nice with a graphic. And I love that a couple of days ago, somebody came and they had a manicure and they showed me their nails and it was all these colors that become love. And it said, I heart on them. I'm like, that's cute. It wasn't my nails. It was somebody else's, just to be clear. I love that people do that. Now, that's fun and creative, but the deal is this. How are you becoming love to the community that you exist in? How are you becoming love when you go to work at, at Boeing or at Seattle Premium Outlets somewhere or wherever it is you go to work? How are you becoming love at Western Washington University or UW or Everett Community College or one of our high schools or junior highs right here in our own city? How are you becoming love? Because the church is us. We are the church. And that's what it comes down to. That's the code that we talk about all the time. I love to pop quiz our team and get out the white sheets of paper and say, hey, write down all the code. I hope you got them memorized. But I challenge our team to memorize them. And we use them all the time. We talk about this all the time. You hear it. We give up things we love for things we love even more. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. We will lead the way with irrational generosity. We believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. Which, by the way, I want to celebrate for a moment. Last week, our goal was to, to collect an offering of $15,000. And, and uh, just because we're trying to offset the cost and not charge to do iHeart, even though it costs a bunch. And um, we collected just right about $14,000 for iHeart. Isn't that awesome? So Generosity. We say this, we will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. And a lot of people say, I don't like that one. It sounds horrible. But the deal is this, there are things that we're going to do that maybe we've never done before because we want to reach people. You know that eight years ago, we had never done iHeart before. We used to do Got Trash, and we would bring stuff here, and we did all this stuff. And we finally went, you know what? It's too big for this campus. we got to move off-site and do something else. And we literally put our heads together and went, all right, how do we do this thing where we reach out? We started making, literally, like, 
random cold calls. Like started calling city government, started calling the school and going, hey, and this just started in Marysville. Hey, is there anything we can do to, to help improve whatever's going on around here? Is there any list you have that you can't seem to get to with your employees that we can help with? And of course, at first, they're super hesitant, like, yeah, we've heard of this kind of stuff before, and you know, we'll give you a little, pro-. because here's the deal. They were sharing with us afterwards that they've had people say, hey, we're going to have a crew come, and they set everything up and get it ready, and this crew will show up, and they'll do a little bit of work and walk away and leave more of a mess than they started with. And then it's up to the school or the city to figure out how to make it get finished or whatever. And so we're like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Here's what we're going to do. And they're like, yeah, right. So at first, the first year of iHeart, the first couple of days, it was like pulling teeth to get them to go along with us, like to make it happen. And by day three, they couldn't keep up. They're like, hey, we need a truck of, of chips delivered over here. We need some buckets of paint over here. We need some materials delivered over those dugouts. We need all this. And they're like, okay, hold on. You're going too fast. And, and, and what I love is year after year, it's continued to spread where it's not just I Heart Marysville, but it's I Heart, you know, we call it I Heart Become Love, but it happens in Stanwood, and it happens in Arlington, and it happens in Lake Stevens, and it happens in Everett, and it happens in Toledo, but it happens all over in Marysville. And I love the vision because we're not just here playing church, amen? We're called to make a difference. And I happen to do what I get to do because, yes, I feel called to do it, but it goes deeper than that. I'm a believer that you and I can change the trajectory of the communities that we exist in. And that's why we do this. We believe something can be different. We believe things can change. And there are people who have said, well, come on. I mean, we did a project this year that didn't we do that already three years ago and now it's all dumpy again? Does it even matter? My wife and I are celebrating 20 years of marriage this year. And the day that we got married on this stage 20 years ago, I said, I love you. Is it enough that I said it that day and never again? I mean, I already told you, babe, 20 years ago. Is it enough that you moved into a house and maybe had it painted and eight years later, you're like, why does it have to be painted again? Or that for some of us, we've shared the gospel with people that weren't necessarily receptive and go, well, I already shared it, it's good enough. And why wouldn't we share it again? So sometimes there's people that talk about the futility of what we do, but we're still called to shine the light. People talk about, you know, does this make any difference? And and while at times you can go, I don't know that it does, we're still going to shine the light. How are you becoming love to the places that you go? I love the story Barbara Bullard's niece, who found out about Ahart years ago and it impacted her deeply enough that she literally plans her summer vacation to come up here from Chico, California to do iHeart. She's sitting right over here. Yeah, you can wave. I love the story of, of somebody at a site who uh, came up and asked one of the, the, the individuals working on the site, what are you guys doing? What is this about? And they began to explain what it is, and, and they said, you know what? That's so cool. I'm going to go. I live in Texas. I'm going to go back to my church in Texas, and we're going to tra- start doing this. I love that, again, a vision can be picked up that, you know what? We're called to carry the hope of the world to a world that doesn't get it, and it may not always work immediately, and I don't believe that we're in this, that in a year everything's going to be different, but I do believe that if you and I stick to it as as Paul said in Galatians 6, 9, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. 
And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand if you say, you know what, I'm not just going to hear this and go, that was a great church service and we're going to leave. But you're going to stand and go, you know what, I'm going to become love. I'm going to take seriously that I am the church. I'm going to stand and say, you know what, whatever it takes and however the Holy Spirit wants to impress upon me, I'm going to be the church wherever it is that I'm going to go. Because again, you have people going to schools and going to workplaces. People that live in neighborhoods that I don't live in. People that are shining the light of Jesus in ways that you're called to shine the light. It's different for everybody because your context is different. Some of you live in a family that's a Christian home for eons after eons after eons and everybody loves Jesus. Maybe it looks a little different, but you can still shine your light. Maybe in your neighborhood. I love that, that I do my best to shine the light of Jesus and have conversations with neighbors. And one of my neighbors was out for a bike ride the other day. And we've been talking about kind of what's going on with life and, and shooting the breeze a little bit. And, and they actually uh, came here, but we were out a couple of weeks ago and we were just talking about what was going on. They're praying about, we're not sure what the right direction is. And I literally just felt like I could have said, hey, I'm going to be praying about that. We'll see you later. But I just felt in the moment like, man, I want to pray with you guys. And so we're just in the street. I just said, can we just pray real quick? And they got their dog and their son. We're just hanging out. I said, we're just going to pray. And so we, we bow our heads to pray, and I start praying, and their dog bit me. And so literally, I'm like, I literally like bow our heads like, dear Lord, ah, ah. Maybe the Lord doesn't want me to pray for you right now. So it was no big deal. It was funny. But it's just that thing where we're just, however it works, we're called to shine our light. However it happens in your context, you're called to shine the light. And this isn't just a, a pastor that's supposed to do it. This isn't just a few of us who are pastors on staff or this is the team. that, that what, This is all of us. That if you say, I'm a follower of Christ, it's you too. And however it looks in your context, how are you becoming love? And I happen to be a huge believer that it's love that's going to transform the communities that we're a part of. And I hold out hope every single day praying constantly for all kinds of different things, praying that God is going to open the doors that we can continue to be the kind of influence we're called to be. And I don't mean the Grove Church, although that's fine. I mean each and every one of us in the areas that God calls us to make a difference. And so if you hear what I'm saying, and you know, you know what, Pastor? Yeah, I'm the church, and I'm going to stand, I'm going to commit to making a difference in the ways that I'm called. Would you just stand to your feet right now? Just challenge you. That, that it, it looks different for each of us. But there's no doubt in my mind that as you and I grow in maturity, we are the church and we're called to be that light. We are the church and we're called to make that difference. And I don't know how it looks for you in whatever career you have or whatever family God dropped you into or whatever, but I know that we're called to be the light. And while coming up in, 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 later in the summer and into fall, we're going to be more specific about some details about it. I want to challenge us to think about as we leave here, to think about as we go about our week to think about wherever you're heading tomorrow or whatever you're going to do this summer on vacation, maybe somewhere a long ways away or maybe at you know, ocean shores, semi-local or whatever, that you're called to be the light. That you're called to shine the love of Jesus to a world that has all kinds of opinions. And some of them are really off, really rough. And yet as we shine that love, I really believe it peels back the layers of people's hearts that we can help them see and then we get to sometimes talk about why Jesus matters. Father, today, I'm grateful that we are the church. And that God, we can understand differently. This isn't about showing up here, although it's biblical to gather and be sharp and encouraged that we can go out. That's biblical. But that's not it, God. That we leave here as the church. We leave here commissioned by you. We leave here with an assignment. And wherever we go, maybe it's lunch, wherever we head out on vacation, 
wherever workplace we're going to navigate towards, maybe for some, even this first service today, a couple that's moving to Arizona. God, that your light's going to shine. How that looks for each of us, God, your spirit would, God. I pray for that. But I pray that we wouldn't just exist playing church, but that we would be the church in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.